Welcome to United Against Silence. I'm Seema Reza, the CEO of Community Building Artworks, a nonprofit organization that connects veterans, healthcare workers, and civilians through workshops led by the artists of our time. Each week, we interview an artist to find out about their process and how they've overcome silence in their lives. Araceli Skirmai is the author of the poetry collections Teeth, Kingdom, Animalia, and the Black Maria. She is also the author, collagist of the picture book Changing, Changing, and with her sister collaborated on the recently published What Do You Know? Gurmai is on the editorial board of the African Poetry Book Fund and recently curated How to Carry Water, Selected Poems of Lucille Clifton. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, I have long been a fan of your work, like long, long. Um, I think it was actually Mahogany L. Brown who introduced me to your work. Um, and towards the beginning of the pandemic, I guess, the beginning of the pandemic, I don't, I don't know how to like, how to phrase time exactly. Um, I had been teaching your poem Elegy quite a bit mm -hmm. along with this passage. Have you read For the Time Being by Annie Dillard? Mm -mm. It's, a, it's a collection of essays and she writes in it a passage in which she says, there are no more sacred, more or less, basically, she says there were no more sacred times than these and our times are no more sacred than anyone else's. Um, mm. The sacred is available to us at any moment, just as it was, um, you know, to Buddha under the Bodhi tree, there's not a whit less of mm. power mm. under the tree in your yard. Mm. And um, pairing that with elegy and thinking about how there is just like so much of that like devotion to the sacred and every day in your work, mm -hmm. um, like across your body of work, which, you know, spans all of these different, different things. And I wondered if you'd been a religious child. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. Um, you, well, yeah, we were raised, um, my brother and I were raised going to church a lot with my mom, um, um, non-denomination Christian, um, but also um, we went to gospel and Baptist church a lot too. Um, and so in that way, yes, we spent a lot of time in church and thinking about um, Bible passages, but not really just that. It was like watching our elders in worship we spent a lot of time, um, but, and, but my dad, um, was Orthodox Christian. He was raised culturally Orthodox Christian and was, um, an atheist and super, super suspicious of organized religion. And so I think that that mix, like he would, you know, he would ask us, my parents split up when I was young, but he would ask us, um, who's this Jesus guy anyway? Like, what's this, G you know, so there's always like the asking of questions that felt like, um, they were not the questions we were supposed to be asking in church. So I feel like both of those things um, shaped something um, of my mind and self. Yeah, well, that's such an interesting question. What made you um, wonder that? 
I was just, just, just that, what I was, what I was saying, there's just like something so like sacred and timeless about your poetry, but at the same time, also really rooted in what's happening right now. You know, it's not this sort of like, forget the world, I'm walking around a pond sort of, which is, is what it is, but <laughs> it is, it, it, you know, it's this sort of like, and as you described this idea of your two, your two parents with their different points of view and like to see them, I mean, it exists in your poetry in this way. And that's interesting. It's questioning, but it's a questioning that's sort of like imbued with tenderness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just like, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. That's I've cool. never, I've never, um, I hadn't, I hadn't wondered about those things um, in relation to my writing before, but that's such, that's such a, that's such a wonderful question. I think about childhood a lot and I think about um, how I, I always thought of myself as like a pair of eyes that I, you know, like, I feel like even when you just asked me that I was thinking about people being filled with like spirit or the Holy ghost in church and like, watching and my mom played congas in one of at one of the churches and people would you know like well um kind of fall out in in with spirit or in a moment of ecstasy and I just felt like a pair of eyes watching um and kind of wondering always I never thought that I was like that I could be perceived which is interesting but I was just you know so that's that's so I'm gonna think about that question yeah that's so beautiful I felt like a pair of eyes um (laughs) with this sort of did you were you always writing were you always like aware that you were collecting stuff I mean material sounds so capitalist like it sounds like it was this productive but you're there's there is this sort of like porousness that I think people who are are artists have um whether or not we use it immediately to create art were you creating art I guess is the question yeah, that's it I don't know I mean I think I was um you're talking about when I was little mm-hmm. when I was little like um I'm, I mean before it was before it was school yeah I think um my, um, my mom was somebody who, uh, we spent a lot of time outside, we sp- and I grew up in Southern California, um, and, and there were some really stunning, gorgeous um, landscapes that, or places that we had access to, or were accessed by, um, and, and also where we grew up in Santa Ana mostly, but my dad was in LA for many years. Um, You know, there there was like a lot of urban sprawl and like houses and then empty lots, Um, a lot of dirt and glass. And so I say all that to say um, that I think when I think about what I was doing as before I was schooled, um, I think I was always wondering like what was here what was here before I was really like I wanted to be an archaeologist I love digging in the dirt like that's what I think of which I think I think now a lot about how that is writing for me so I think that that's I was making stuff and um we would like use the JC Penney catalog to make 
paper dolls and like we were making stuff we made games we were always playing we were playing a lot um and that feels like art making too but um but my mom was going to say that she was somebody who's like um we couldn't say we were bored we weren't allowed that was a bad word she's like you know this whole world so there was a lot of just like when you're tired of doing one thing like looking around and figuring what you're going to get into next, um, which all of those things I know for, I know um, are part of my kind of artistic or poetic sensibility, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What were you up to before you were schooled? Were you making? Oh man, I was an outside player too. We were very suburban. Um, we lived outside of DC in this house that I thought, was the most magical place. And now looking at it, it was like, there were a lot of us living in a very small house with one bathroom. And my sister who was a teenager did not have the magical experience I was having as a five-year-old. <laughs> but it was like, um, yeah, it was a lot of outside. It was a lot of like trying to tear my clothes, you know, by skinning on, like skidding on my knees, like just, oh, wow. just really, um, climbing trees and looking for beauty I had this one habit which was I would take pokeweed berries which are they grow on this red stem they're these purple berries and I'd crush them up into a bucket of water and then throw the bucket up and just watch it like fireworks and then do it again and I would just do this again and again and I like whole afternoons would go doing that um and I don't know how that how, like what the parallel is between that and my creative practice now, but um, I didn't feel lonely. You know, when I was in the presence of beauty, I felt a lot less lonely. And that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes me somehow think of your um, first book cover. Right? Is that the one with the red? Yes. Dresses? Somehow that image made me think about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. The child mind is a thing, like I, I think often with my kids, I, my sons are 15 and, and 21. How old are yours? Yours are littler, no? Um, yes, six and almost four. Mm, four. Yes, four is so great. The questions they ask. <laughs> um, but I think like from when I was nine until I was 25, I was trying to not be who I was when I was nine. Mm. And now like from, since I've been 25, I've been trying to get back to who I was when yeah. I was nine in these, in these ways yeah. um, to like remove what I've been told I should see and think. And when you talk about being a pair of eyes, mm -hmm. um, I think that like, that's, that's the work of the artist, right. To return to, to that mm -hmm. observer space, even when we're talking about our own memories. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and to have what what I think about is a kind of um, something like a privacy of mind, right? Like there was a way that I felt um, so like I could, I, I was kind of alone, not lonely at all, but like just like filled up with my mind and questions. Um, in, in a way that we're like, and I think it's not surprising now that I'm I'm calling it that because I've got these two little kids and it's we've been 
in the house, not alone. Like the four of us have been in the house, you know, this apartment together. But I think about um, how much, I don't know if this is true, but it felt like I had a lot of time to just be quiet um, and play and watch and fiddle. Um, and it's probably, I think I long for that. Um, I long for that now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, it's that time in church and, you know, we're Muslim. So, you know, I grew up in, in the masjid. There would be like these long periods where the adults were talking and we were to sit quietly. And mm -hmm. I like really sometimes feel such a desire to sit in the back of a boring lecture. Like because of that sort of like to allow my mind to wander uh-huh uh-huh uh -huh. watching me you know just uh, like, yeah and then were there like were there words or sounds or things that were like were you were they touching your imagination or mind as you were wandering do you remember i i think sometimes it would come up i don't remember you know, I love, I love praying in Jamaat. So in, in Islam, you pray shoulder to shoulder. This is very COVID unfriendly, right? Like everyone's right, right up next to each other. And we have, you know, we have our, our emotions that we move through and are led, you know, through the, the surahs, the prayers that we're saying. And they're different depending on who's leading it. Um, but you're just all by yourself in there. You get to put mm. down. And in this thing that you're talking about, the privacy of mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I think too like you know this this podcast is called United Against Silence and, and the idea being that you know all of us are sort of refusing silence and naming what we've experienced um, but actually in a poetry workshop in an art making workshop it's that comfortable silence where the magic is happening, right? It's like mm -hmm. when we're all sitting together, and there's this other kind of silence, right? Mm -hmm. That's like super productive. Mm -hmm. um, and I wondered sort of like, how do you create? There's writing is like 10% writing and 90% like for me, talking to myself in the mirror and wandering around. Um, what, are, what are your rituals to get into that, to drop into that mind now? Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I think, I think a lot of the time, um, I think I'm pretty scrappy. I'm pretty scrappy. And I think that's really be because um, there's so much, else, there's so much else that fills my time, especially with the kids, but even, um, I've always worked a lot um, and in my teens and 20s had a bunch of different jobs and a lot of waitressing and hostessing jobs among other things but like so I was like I knew how to write on the back on the bottom of a receipt and stuff it in my pocket and you know so there's like a lot of that like you hear something or something comes to you and I write it down and keep it and we'll find um, ways to push on language or ask questions from those scraps. But I, I think um, I think also um, walking, which I haven't done enough, just something about a rep repetitive motion um, where suddenly I start to, um, I don't know, here it seems like the word, here lines 
and and then I hold on to them and I'll just keep repeating them for like a mile or something and then come home and I'll write write it down on paper and then I might spend months you know asking questions that start from there or an image um I think I think a lot in images which maybe um is obvious in my work where I, I think um there'll be some kind of memory or a very specific detail from a memory that um, I kind of can't stop caring and wondering about. And the poem becomes the way to wonder a little or kind of open the hem of the image um, and see what associative circuitry is in there or, you know, what it, um, what it helps me to learn or think, you know. Um, but I think that those are the two main ways that it happens for me. Open the hem of the image. I love, love, love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love too, like, you know, when you were talking about being a pair of eyes, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, the images. Yeah. Um, but then the images sort of bubble up and become a line then mm-hmm. in language that you were, repeat um and I'm struck to and maybe you were always this way or maybe it's something that's that sort of developed as your your craft has has grown of like trusting it you know Mm -hmm. to hear the line I think so much of it is like we don't we don't when we're teaching, there's like that, there is this like impulse for people to write in Shakespeare's voice or Hemingway's voice or, you know, uh-huh. not, not trust the impulse, but it sounds like you recognize, oh, this is a, this is something that I, I'm give, being given as a gift from myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come recently, or is that, or like, wow, I talk, just talk about that. Yeah, I don't, that's such a great question. I don't know. I know that I think about it a lot, um, like voice and and coming to one's voice or or, um, or if not coming to it, just like letting it be and sharing it. Um, I think about that a lot because I think about that with my students and um, there's this amazing essay by James Baldwin called On Why I Stopped Hating Shakespeare, where he talks about like the difference between being in your voice or voices and imitating a voice. And I, um, I don't know how, I think I struggle um, maybe less so in poems, but just in life, like I struggle um, sometimes hanging on to um, my language when communicating with others, like meaning I feel like um, I speak in a lot of, with a lot of, I mean, all language is metaphor, but like, I think imagery really helps me to speak in day-to-day conversations. And I, I, um, um, I feel like I'm often, um, Kind of as you can tell, like wandering in language, and and I'm not I'm not quick and direct. Um, and there's a way that um, um, I'm trying. I'm often find myself trying to translate toward someone else, um, which makes sense because you want to be understood. Um, but I think the poems 
I don't know. I, I, I don't, I can't remember if there was a time when I was trying to sound like somebody else, probably. Um, I would imagine that that would have ha happened, but I think I'm so concerned with trying to express um, or communicate with um, some other realm or other possibility or something that um, being in my language feels like the ladder to that. And so I, I think I, that's not one of my first or second or third questions mm. as it is in life. In life, I'm like, oh, did I say that wrong? Was I too right? You know, but in, in the poems, I, I think I have other questions. Like, do I believe that? Is this true? What's the history of that? Whatever. But I, I think um, like asking about like, am I saying, is my voice whatever enough is not one of my right. questions. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, that makes yeah. beautiful sense because I think there is like, um, of course, communication is important. You want to say the thing that somebody, totally. Yeah. Um, but also uh, a funny thing that's the case about early poems, I think oftentimes is that the product isn't forefront, right? It's the mm -hmm. question that's forefront. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And so that like, it's not for anybody else in these early, early moments. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, like as you then sort of begin to earn a living from your writing, there's a different pressure that comes to it um, or can, can come to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wonder like, how do you defend it? Do you have to defend it? Or, or, or maybe defend isn't the right word, but like, you know, like yeah. that's the work. Um, it's like having a baby and then being like, all right, baby, go, go make us some money. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's just like, yeah. Um, and there is a space of course, between when something is written and. Right, right, right. I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like, um, because poems, I don't know, I, I never thought that I would make money off of a poem or get paid to, for a poem to be published, right? That was not my, that was just not in my, like in the realm of possibilities for me. Um, and I feel glad, I think. I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, I think I feel glad about that. Um, and so, there's a way that um, the other kind of work um, that I do um, or have done, those were the ways to make money. And there's a way that poems um, weren't. And so there's a kind of something freeing in that. I think um, there's something else that your question makes me think, which is like, um, <clears throat> How to um, how to hold on to that? I don't know. There's something different about the beginning where I didn't think I was going to have a book published, and then now these years later, where I've got a few books and um, I've gotten support for my writing. None of it would, that it wasn't expected at all, but now that that has happened, um, um, I think right now I feel like oh, I just want to. 
I just want to have time to write. And I don't feel worried about like the, um, I want to write and I want to reach towards another truthfully and honestly. Um, and that, so I don't feel like right now nervous about that because of the other part feels so urgent, but maybe I also don't have a new book out. So maybe when I do, I will feel nervous about it. You know, who knows? I don't know, but I, I just feel um, there's a way that the, like the rush of capitalist making um, hasn't yet touched my poems yet, oh, yet. I mean, in a way that feels, I think that's true. I think that's true. I mean, sure, it touches it in the way that I'm fighting for time and I'm rushing here and there on the subway, but my expectation hasn't been one of money for the poems. And um, so, I don't know. That's my honest answer right now. I feel like I might change it in a minute. And that's, that, I mean, that's, it's such a, it's so beautiful, um, the poems. The poems are just the poems, right? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to United Against Silence. I'm Seema Reza, and I hope we see you at a workshop soon. You can see our full schedule at www.cbaw.org. We're looking forward to being in community with you.